This is Always Remember The Mod State Podcast And now, your hosts Always Remember Others may hate you Alright Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the one and only Mod State Podcast This is your host, Nate What's up, man? It has certainly been a minute and I want to acknowledge that up front uh, There's been a lot that's been going on Brother, it's great to be back with you, as always. Tons tons going on, but uh, we are especially grateful that in spite of our absence, that our supporters, our followers, have kept us on the ascendancy. We appreciate that. Yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly been a, a several very, very busy weeks for myself and for you, and I think we'll certainly talk a bit about Maybe it's like politics fatigue, a little cultural fatigue, but also some some personal just fatigue, <laughs> um, <clears throat> some personal uh, angst. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Um, however, I think we do have a really good show. Yes. We've got a couple things going on and a couple things to talk about. We'll talk about our educational segment, bizarre, and then we'll move into sort of a, a catch up from our last podcast episode um, to today, and. Uh, but first, I want to acknowledge our listeners uh, here in the United States and also abroad. We have a continue to have a growing international presence, so we appreciate you tuning in to us as we talk about what's going on largely in the United States. Um, we will Yep, we see. Uh, so, think about this. In terms of our overall metrics, not in the United States, not Pandora. Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, well, excuse me, Apple Podcasts, any number of metrics. But is in terms of globally, the French have put us where we are. Yeah, it's been interesting. <laughs> I, I mean, considering the, the logo we, we've promoted with the French, and French, Amer- French flag and the American colonial flag, they've... Put us where well, we are. Viva la France. Well, um, as always, continue to tune in. Uh, spread it to your friends, your family, uh, wherever you can. And head over to modstate.com for more opinion pieces. And, of course, uh, you can get the podcast there as well. But wherever you listen to your podcast, if, if you ever want to leave a comment, you can go to podomatic.com. Um, where you can find our, our podcast and do some interaction there. So we, we appreciate those comments. And then if you'd like to send a lengthier <clears throat> note to us, you can do that at modstate at modstate.com. Have you, have you read any of those posts lately? Um, I don't know if I want to say I've read them recently. It's been kind of a blur the last couple of weeks. Uh, but they seem to They love be, you. Do they? They do not love me. But hey... You took the white hat, so what, what was left? I suppose I'm just easier to love sometimes, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, Bobby Kennedy was probably easier to love than Richard Nixon. So, yeah, you took the white hat, and uh, so what was left? The I mean, black hat. <laughs> I just I seem like it's just acknowledging uh, – well, never mind. Let's dive in. Okay, let's let's. It's let's funny see. to me. Anyway, I don't take it personally. Look, I, I get it. I mean, using our Twitter – and Instagram metrics, we're uh, nearly 70% left of center in terms of followership. So 
anyway yeah. I, just, I just i just thought it was interesting to know it's like man there's a well let's dive into the educational segment here this is from a bloomberg uh news article there's a paywall for it but basically i mean it's 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 reported out of bloomberg but this is the fact that tesla could hit a new target price for their um stock at for 3000 so currently it's i think it's hovering between like 600 and 700 uh but their this and this company this investment management company expects the stock to hit um up to about 3k per share by 2025 which would effectively uh value tesla at around 3 trillion dollars so you know i don't think i think that trillion dollar companies are certainly part of the future conversation and it you know between the big players like google and apple amazon tesla at this point and then probably a number of other large companies um i, th- I think trillion dollar companies certainly will, we will see that in the future so i don't think it's it's outlandish to think tesla's filled this weird um niche in the equities market right so it's sort of a cult following um it hasn't necessarily been profitable but i think that its profitability or its sort of um value is derived from the potential so that sort of kinetic um kinetic energy and uh and so i certainly don't think it's unreasonable to see that it could be valued at that Uh, obviously it's also notoriously used for shorting um, because Elon Musk himself plays this really weird role as a CEO that you don't see with like a company like Bezos, <clears throat> even though they're you, both... don't, you don't see it with with virtually any company. I mean, the, the trillion dollar companies, aside from Tesla, we have that I'm aware of. Correct me if I'm wrong. Arm, Apple, they go back and forth between a trillion dollars. Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Tesla. As uh, Tesla is definitely unique. From that perspective, because what we discussed this precast, they've had what one profitable quarter, but it's based upon belief that we were talking about a car company that is looking to colonize uh, uh, colonize Mars. So, I mean, it, it, it's based on belief, but it's definitely a, a special circumstance, I would say. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just interesting to see that analysis for that company and and i i certainly think that well if there's anything that's shown us over the last at least month and a half with um sort of the boutique investors the the individual investors recreational investors i think they shed more light on these type of companies like tesla and and then younger investors um It'll be interesting to see where they move in terms of where they want to or what they perceive as value. Obviously, there's fundamental value with <laughs> any company in terms of balance sheet, income statement. So but, would you take the, the great trip, the great journey, the one-way trip to Mars? Um, I guess, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm inclined to say no at the moment. But I suppose if there was a 
Like, I'd have to read the mission statement, right? I'd have to read the mission. Well, I'll give you the one critical part of the mission statement. There is no return trip. Yeah, but what... You ain't coming back. What are we doing there? That's what I'd want to know first. Well, look, I... In spite of the fact you've got, I, I guess, shorts on, I don't know what you've got on, but in spite of the, the sexy part of that, I'd be willing to do it if, look, think about this. Work with me here. First podcast on Mars. Think about that. That'd be pretty cool. First podcast on Mars. Okay. Well, I'd you remember uh, the Cardigans? Remember the, you remember they had the song, uh, love me, love me, say mm-hmm. that you love me. The Cardigans. Yep, yep. Um, <clears throat> they had this album called First Band on the Moon. Well, I think it'd be pretty cool to be the first ones to you know, do a podcast on Mars. Of course, they're going to have to import substances. Oh, I see. Or I suppose that would be an export. Well. Come on. You think they're going to go to the Mars and not grow grass? Uh, some Mars weed. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Well, I mean, I think our educational segment is now you turning know, into the more... like you hadn't thought about It's <laughs> turning into more of the bizarre segment, moon weed and, and Mars weed. But again, out there, bottom line, this is not financial advice, but at 700 bucks, if, if, uh, if you're looking at uh, that type of return potential 3k valuation on an on equity oh there's, yeah there's potential get on robin hood and if you make too much money let the big boys shut you down mm, yeah well good old robin hood all right well how about we uh segue over into the bazaar was there no, is there another app <clears throat> you'll recommend what for equity trading yeah i mean you could just get a TD Ameritrade or or E-Trade. They, well, they're... yeah, but the thing, the thing, the allure of Robinhood is you don't have to like with what is E-Trade. It's like what seven hundred bucks for what? Like to start an account to actually uh, be able to oh, trade, you mean like a, a minimum. Um, right. Yeah, that was but... the allure of Robinhood. Unless I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a big allure with Robinhood in terms of its. Um, it was just. What, 50 it, it, bucks? Nah, it just seemed like it was more independent, right? It seemed like it was the new hip way to invest. It wasn't linked to these big um, backed companies like TD Ameritrade. The, the pockets weren't as deep. It was probably a little bit more edgy, but the problem is they just didn't have the capital to back the volume, and, and that was just a fundamental flaw. <clears throat> in, I mean, in a way, the, there was a huge demand for their services, but they just couldn't deliver. I mean, they're still around. Well, they certainly are, um, but I, mean, I think. But who do you recommend? I mean, since we're we're stuck on this point for the moment. Oh, I would recommend just the TD Ameritrade. I mean, the commissions are like a couple bucks. So... Okay, but for the middle American who doesn't have twenty five hundred bucks. No, I think I, but I don't think I don't think the the minimums on TD Ameritrade are that because of this whole debacle with Robinhood. <clears throat> I'll bet there's you don't need. A minimum to start trading at all td ameritrade I mean, you know you, what let's do we'll, a follow-up on this i will but i mean obviously well, we're not we're not sponsored we're not sponsored by any of these by any of these people but i mean I, not but, us but i do i think that the you know we've talked about minimums you would need minimums for like options tradings and stuff like that but 
the the fact is is they get commission on the trade right so you don't it doesn't matter how much money you put down you actually physically need to start trading um so it really doesn't matter how much money you have wait 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 so a business wants to make a profit off the services they provide Mm -hmm. (gasps) let's end it it's over but anyway so you, to answer your question, I've I've enjoyed TD Ameritrade. I think their analyst reports are are helpful. I think that the mobile app is fairly easy to navigate, and I I think they're fairly. You don't useful. use Robinhood? No, no Robinhood for you. No. Uh, uh, so so you and my brother-in-law engaged in this lengthy diatribe. Well, I was in Washington, D.C., and you haven't used it? Hey, that's cool. Just figuring out how to ask. Wow. Anyway. Um, anyway. Let's I, move look, on. I'm, I'm still inclined to use it because of the minimum balance because, you know, us po folks. Well, I mean, there's there's no reason. I mean, <clears throat> there's no reason not to use it. I like it, it just depends on how you feel about them specifically in their past with well let me ask you this and and, and this follows up because you know i'm i'm as i've said numerous podcasts i'm such a cool guy what i do is watch c-span largely but also c-span 2 for the folks out there c-span 2 is largely senate-based united states senate c-span 1 C-SPAN focuses on the U.S. House of Representatives and the English House of Commons. But I watched these hearings back and forth about Robin Hood et al. Do you think they did anything wrong? What do you think? Well, a little bit of framework here. I know you and my brother-in-law and I were all irritated, greatly irritated at the fact that as we said on this podcast that, oh, so because all of a sudden a bunch of middle, middle class, working class investors suddenly started beating the market, you know, hedging against what y'all were thinking in the, the, the big equity funds. That's market manipulation. But if y'all do it, that's okay. So I, I, I see that point. But when it comes down to the, the trading app, because I watched these hearings, and I watched the, the CEO of Robinhood getting grilled, and I see their point why they shut down the trading. I'm not saying that makes what happens right, what happened right. But I also see, okay, we had to shut it down because <laughs> we didn't have the capital to finance what was going on here. And you could say all day long, all right, well, you should have had the capital. Well, okay, I don't think they really planned on a, a Redditor army financing a, a big call against these investors saying, hey, screw y'all. We're going to drive GameStop, you know, their, their stock up. 
you know, I, yeah, but do you you do see the sort of conflict of interest in terms of the Melvin Capital, a number of these huge hedge funds that had um, had a stake in Robinhood, right? And who, who actually were were way over levered, um, in like almost right. impossibly over levered, right? With one hundred and forty hundred forty two percent of of shorted of they were stock. way over leveraged. You can only and... have, I mean, you can only have a hundred percent of something, but they had right. basically like faking shares, right? So, so in a way that that conflict of interest, I can't say whether or not. I think I'm sure there's probably an investigation going on into it, but there I is. Mean, there is a. I mean, at the at the end of the day, the best is that the perception's reality, and it looks shady as fuck. Right. No, I, and, and I agree. No, look, by by no means. I mean, the three of us talked about this while my my brother in law was in D.C., and I'm right there with you. I've said this on the podcast. So, okay, so a bunch of quote unquote educated investors, they manipulate a price. That's educated investing, but the middle class and the working class does it, and that's market manipulation that's suddenly illegal that's wrong we're going to shut down the trades i do however see the point like uh robin hood C- ceo made the point to um representative alexandria ocasio cortez he said ma'am look per federal regulation if we had to shut this down we couldn't fulfill the capital requirements because you know they raised three billion what in a couple of days something like that but point was, if we can't fulfill those requirements, then guess what? Everybody loses because we've got to shut the whole thing down and nobody's getting paid nothing. And so it's one of those gray areas where I hate to advocate. You drinking olive oil? No, it's just my, what bottle, is that? It's just my bottle of water. No, I thought that was olive oil. I'm like, for God's sake. Oh, no. But, I mean, I'm not by any means taking the side of Robin Hood here, but I do. I will say this, just like Mark Zuckerberg has done on a number of occasions, I do appreciate the fact that he came before the committee, before Congress, didn't bring a lawyer, and didn't plead the fifth. He answered their questions. It was forthright. He said, look, we, we did not anticipate this level of activity. So, yes, we had to raise this extra three billion overnight to to meet the requirements, the requisite requirements of trade. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that what they did was right by shutting down the trades because they have assets, the 1% that we don't have. They can participate in overnight trading. I don't have that kind of capital. And I mean, maybe you do, but that's that's something that's kind of up here. But I also see them going, you know, the the Robin Hood CEO going, okay, if we didn't shut it down and couldn't meet the capital requirements, it's just like not opening a bank before nine o'clock in the morning or shutting it down before 5 p.m. It doesn't work that way. You've got, <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? Everybody would have lost. Yeah, and I, I think, again, I... It's gray. It is gray. I think there's more to follow, but obviously, it, at the we'll moment, at the moment, it was. Uh, and I guess my point is, um, uh, e-trading platforms like TD Ameritrade and e-trades have 
significant amount of backing so that you really would never run into those issues and you can continue to do things like option trading and stuff like that. So, uh, and so anyway, I think we, we dive ahead into bizarre because we're going to move away for those people who have held on for 20 minutes talking us talking about equity valuation and, and well, uh, but, I, I think in all fairness though, I don't think Robinhood I will move forward, but I don't think they honestly counted on a Reddit army no, of saying, they, oh, hold on a second. No, of course they didn't. And, and, and not that they did anything wrong. That's what I mean. I don't think the Redditors did anything wrong. They did what Wall Street does. Yeah. Just the, the, the billionaires stood to lose. Yeah. That's, that's the difference here. I don't yeah. think they did anything wrong. I don't think Robin Hood did anything wrong by the fact that they weren't prepared to meet that volume of outflow. Mm-hmm. Hey, so, I mean, I, I mean, it was, it, it was kind of a crazy situation all around. I mean, what do you do? You know, anyway, we'll move on, but I, I'm not by any means taking their side. No, I, I mean, just, it is an observation though, for sure. Oh, you know what? I'm looking forward to this bizarre segment. To, to this bizarre segment because why is uh, that? Well, because I know you like cats, and it's a good cat-related story. So it's uh, not really about cats, is it? I thought I thought it was about cats. It is. I mean, hey, I'll send you the link. You you oh, can't I, make I watched this the stop video. looking. No, I watched it, the video. It could be a dog. It, it, it could be one of these uh, macaws over here sitting behind me. They're, they're both asleep. But, I mean, y- y- you can't make this up. I, so I'll, I'll read from the AP story. A Texas lawyer appeared as a talking cat during a Zoom call with a judge, sparking worldwide delight at the latest video conferencing mishap of the pandemic from, or work from home era. And I'll, I'll send you the link. I mean, it's pretty cute, honestly, as much as I'm loath to use that word, but. Cute, cute is cute, my friend. It, and how long did it take him to realize that he indeed was a cat? Or it was as, you described it as um, to the, defense and prosecution or whoever it was was really not trying to say anything well the the judge said i believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings and um this lawyer his voice it says appearing to be spoken by an increasingly anxious white kitten asked can you hear me judge and the judge said i can hear you but i think you have a filter and the nodding cat said, it is. I don't know how to remove it. <laughs> you can't make this up. Didn't he, he say, says, for well, the record, I'm... I am not a cat? Yeah, so the lawyer goes, well, I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, she's trying to help me, but I'm, I guess I'm prepared to go forward with this. I'm here live, and I am not a cat. And the judge replies, yeah, I, I can see that. Like, y- you can't make this up. It's, it's actually, it's this cute white kitten, but probably not the best format for that. But presumably, we'll blame it on the children. Um, 
presumably this lawyer, I, I would hope that one of his children was the one that had, had used that setting, that filter. But I mean, can you imagine? Well, me the screenshot, I'll send you, I, I swear, I'll, I'll send you the well, link right now. But, I mean, I like, swear to God, can you imagine? Like uh, preachers who have, have had filters on through sermons and all sorts of stuff. I think <clears throat> there's been some interesting, it's to add. But to, you're in court. Yeah, yeah, but so add to Bizarre, I think it's been interesting. There's been a couple of cases that have, so like in one case, there was a Zoom meeting uh there's like zoom court right and it, it seems to cheers. be it was a uh, cheers was a domestic violence situation right so like a restraining order situation and because they were in uh, on zoom the uh so the prosecutor essentially uh siding with the with the the female the wife or spouse um recognized that the uh that the husband was in the same house and was intimidating the witness like on zoom and had the cops show up and like the whole thing was on zoom. The cops came in, like arrested him and he admitted to lying. So it was super bizarre. I was like, Holy crap. <clears throat> um, anyway, so, um, okay. So I think it is time. Dun, 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 dun. So What's that? We're done with kittens. Yeah, bro. We're done with kittens, man. I'll tell you. Cheers. I mean, cheers. I mean, think about this. Interesting factoid. So I, I swore to my father that I would relate this narrative. Now I promise I'll, I'll keep it under 120 seconds. But the current CEO of Zoom in San Francisco, California, is a man named Bernard Stolar, known in the electronics community as Bernie Stolar. And he was the COO of Sega of America in 1999. I know you're not a, a gamer, but when the Dreamcast launched, and so back then in those days, between 02 and 09, with Game Partisan, me and Frank Campioni, we were involved in console gaming. And so I followed the man all these years on LinkedIn and Zoom, I don't know if you remember this, but before the pandemic, it sounds like before the war, right? But before the before the pandemic, Zoom was kind of a joke. It's like, well, there's Teams and there's Meet, all these different things, but Zoom was not taken seriously. Well, all of a sudden during the pandemic, it was. So all these folks mocked Bernie Stolar when he left Sega, went to Electronic Arts. And he, he, he started this tabletop gaming company in San Francisco and then went to Zoom. They're like, oh, wow, really going downhill, huh, Bernie? Yeah, I guess not. No. I think he's, he's doing rather done, well done now. Very well. And so uh, it's, it's funny before the pandemic. It's not funny, actually. It's funny for them. But I messaged him and say and, and said, Mr. Stolar, hey, it was great following your work all these years. I, I thought you did a fantastic job. In 1999, for instance, Sega of America made a record amount of money with the Dreamcast first 24 hours. They made over $100 million. Nowadays, I mean, okay, big deal. But at the time, it was a record. And so you follow through the connect the dots here. 
and so I've kept up with this gentleman, his very illustrious career, and it's it's fascinating to me now that to see him doing so well. And I, and so I, I guess I mean that, that's a very poor version of a shout out, I suppose. But I I, I appreciate the fact that in spite of him re- reaching the lofty heights of his profession and being willing to engage and be like any other common person, you know, and, and so I, I, I'm very, shout out to, to Bernie Stolar. To Bernie. Hey, you should look him up on LinkedIn. Cheers. Cheers. He's well, a fine and- gentleman. Well, here we are, 30 minutes in, ready to take the gloves off. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, on to our main segment. Gloves off. Well, okay, so there's a number of ways that um, I feel like we've got to make up for some lost time. We haven't talked in a minute, but there has been a a, a ton that has gone on. Um, Some stuff that is uh, upcoming, some ongoing developing crises if you will um some wins for the biden administration uh but also uh managing the the sort of covid as we said number one priority for the biden administration will be to manage this covid pandemic and i think that that certainly has been their main agenda however i think the house and the senate have had some differing i mean i wouldn't say differing differing priorities but certainly have been doing their own thing <clears throat> while Biden, while while Biden really works this COVID angle, so Jesus. The other thing that is uh, going on right now uh, is there's continued discussion about, or I should say, probably more like, um, probably more a blossoming support or at least acknowledgement of the filibuster reform. And I think I wanted, we didn't really talk about this in precast, but I think uh, we could just touch on certainly how we, f- how, how you think that it may progress, because I don't know that anything is of substance is going to happen, but at least for our uh, listeners here in, in the States, but also our listeners internationally, like what the filibuster is, the filibuster is supposed to be used as a tool for the minority party to... It is supposed to prevent the yeah, dictatorship please, yeah. of the 51%. It has been said to be this segregationist, racist tool, but um, I can provide links if you'd like. Well, no, no, let's, let's, not, let's, not, let's not approach the filibuster as well, a, how would a you racist like tool. I would just let's just discuss what is it basically what it means is or largely what it means is that in the Senate you need what 60 votes out of 100 to advance bill into law. Um, There are in some cases there are certain what is it like reconciliation bills that only need 51 votes in order to be Reconciliation must be specifically applied to annual fiscal budget matters. Okay. And and that's what the the COVID relief bill, at least Biden's um, recent COVID relief bill, was uh, crafted under was reconciliation. But really, what the filibuster is designed to do is it's designed for the minority party to be able to um, 
essentially debate the merits of the proposed bill um, for a, a very long time, essentially. So it was a tool designed to sort of stall, delay, or stop the vote on a specific bill. Uh, but recently, the filibuster has sort of just been, it's been like acknowledged, right? So it, there, this whole massive campaign, Mr. Smith goes to Washington sort of filibustering with a 24-hour conversation where you pass out on the floor. That has not been the, the, the current. Ted Cruz did it. Yeah, he. You're right. Absolutely, Ted Cruz. If I, what I was it, 2013. Yeah, I was going to say Ted Cruz. I have to acknowledge that Ted Cruz, in at least in my lifetime, is the only senator that I've seen actually filibuster. Where I think he was like reading books, like really filibuster, like truly filibuster. And so right now, the the filibuster is is <laughs> it's sort of like all that has to happen is the acknowledgement that a filibuster could happen, and then it just sort of crushes well, the it's vote. It's called a silent filibuster is what they do now. And that's where and, – and, and there's two sides to this. I mean, Politico did a good job. I don't have the article in front of me, but they did a, a good job of explaining it where, okay, with the silent filibuster, they can pass on the floor so that regular Senate business may continue. but the issue that they're trying to impede remains stalled. Okay. But so it's sort of like, I mean, it's almost kind of lazy, right? It's, it, like it's, I mean, it's, I mean, again, there's two sides of that. Um, you could say it's lazy, but the Senate, I mean, like the U.S. House, the lower house of Congress, they're supposed to be caring about the people's business. Mm -hmm. So it allows them to stall this particular issue while still, say, carrying on, and this is just an example, the DOD budget, the Department of Defense budget. So, yes, they are, I, I, you could call it lazy, but business regular order is being carried out. Mm -hmm. But... Like Senator Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, who you may have heard of, has recently proposed saying making it more painful to do it. Well, I think what he actually means is, well, let's go to a Mr. Smith goes to Washington style. Mm -hmm. And again, there's two sides of that. Yeah, it would make it more painful and they would have to focus on that issue, whatever is being filibustered at hand. But the other side of that is nothing is getting done in the meantime. Mm -hmm. So, well, and, and so and it hasn't just been Manchin that has come out um, in support of potential reform in terms of the actual long filibuster, the actual filibuster. Biden suggested potential reform. Um, Feinstein just came out and, and, and uh, acknowledged potential need for reform. Certainly, I think what I think it's promising in terms of a bipartisanship is that there is not I think all of these older senators understand that doing away with the filibuster completely like nuking the filibuster bad would, idea. would be a bad idea and turtle well, think about this. turtle mcconnell has already said that if that happened there'd be scorched earth senate um it's which is a little weird but but i also acknowledge that like yeah i do want to see things um i do want to see things done right but ultimately i, I would i would like to see things done where we don't need the fil like I would like to see stuff done for the American people so bipartisanly that we don't have to worry about, uh, 
you know, we're worrying about 59 votes, not, you know, not 49, 50 That's votes. That's the question, though. And look, we could very easily be having a different conversation had things gone differently in Georgia. Okay. But ask yourself the question, are you okay with, because one party has 51 votes versus 49, being able to ram through whatever they want? I would wager, maybe I'm wrong, but I would bet whatever worth I have that most of this country would disagree. They would not be cool with that. Well, and so you have to go back to what Harry Reid did when he was Senate Majority Leader, Democratic Senator from Nevada. Look what happened. Okay. So he got rid of the filibuster against Republican wishes in the Senate so that Obama, President Obama, excuse me, could get through his judicial nominees. Well, guess what you got out of that? Three Trump appointees. Mm -hmm. to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So, well, get rid of that at your peril. Yeah, and I and I'm acknowledging I think what you're saying and I'm I'm saying I would rather have in my perfect world I would rather have 60 votes for I like it doesn't have to be all democratic it could be a, I would rather have a a mix of republicans and democrats you voting. The point. I no I do and that's why I'm saying I don't necessarily want to see it reduced <clears throat> to just 51 because I realize how quickly that could backfire. However, I yeah, would I would have to in 2 years. Yeah, the other thing say. the other thing too is I have to I would have to weigh you know every time I talk about nuking the filibuster I would have to consider like why that was being nuked, right? Like if, if there was a social policy that I felt so strongly about that I was willing to, <laughs> I was willing to put up with the potential damage in the future for that decision, I would have to weigh that, right? Like I have to, but I'm, I'm more inclined to like, let's say <clears throat> I feel strongly about universal healthcare. I might be willing to do it, go ahead and take that risk and nuke the filibuster for that, that specific bill for universal healthcare. But that's it, dangerous. That, but that standard, would, that bar has to be really, really high, and that's only that's that's that would be like one thing I would consider. Well, now, again, think but about I it. I do understand the danger of nuking that filibuster. Think about it, and, and I, I'm not inclined to do it. Again, I want to see bipartisanship for most of the bills that are passed in the Senate, but and and that that understandably takes an incredibly long time to reach that kind of consensus. I don't want 51. I really that's not. I, I don't think. It's ideal for democracy, but I also well, have to, I would hope not fifty-one to forty-nine. But again, but think I also about have to it. weigh the. I have to weigh what the the gravity of the situation is too, as well. So, we'll, we'll, we'll think about the result of the last time that the Senate rules were changed. Actually, not the last time. Uh, Senator Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell changed the rules in terms of Supreme Court nominees. But think about the last time it was changed with regards to federal appointees under President Obama by Senate Majority Leader at the time, Democrat Harry Reid. The result of that was Mitch McConnell then came along and said, well, okay, tell you what, we'll change that for Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, yeah, and I mean, it's, Amy Goney Barrett. It's a good, it's a good example. It's a good case study, right? And I, and I acknowledge that. You want to play that game? Well, I, I don't. I would. I don't want that to be. But I also think that we need to, 
what, I get what, it. I think I think there was a really good uh, intelligence. There was a really there was, there was a really good intelligence squared debate that was talking about specifically about the Republican Party, and there's some huge Republican God. party. No, there's so a couple. It was it was four really heavy hitting Republican strategists and political scientists, and they're all conservative, discussing the direction of the Republican Party, and there was one. Um, one debater in that group that made a point that said, listen, the way at least the duopoly or the two-party system functions in the United States, the way it works best is having two credible parties, right? So <clears throat> I think... That's how it functions. I, I realize money is how it functions, but also in terms of like trust of government or trust in the system or uh, that, that you do need a... a, a, a a, a highly functioning two, at least in this case, two-party system. Um, I'm not debating whether or not that's right or wrong in terms of what's good for America. But you're we, saying people still trust in the government. My point is, um, my, listen, <laughs> listen, we'll listen, listen, listen. My point is um, <laughs> that I would like to see. I think the 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 country deserves that sort of bipartisanship. And and that is what instills faith in in the system, because not being not having faith in your federal government system, it, whether out of uh, out of manufactured distrust of of the government, coupled with real things to be particularly upset about with the with the federal government. Manufactured. There's well, well so. <laughs> Okay, here we go. So, um, you being serious right now? There's a manufactured distrust of this monstrosity in Babylon. I mean that that's what the Koch brothers and Reagan started. That's that's neoliberalism. Dude. Oh that's my the, God, Nate! I love you, but no, it is not manufactured. Okay, it took them thirty days to get water to the Superdome after Katrina. That was not manufactured. It is inept, this monstrosity. I'm sorry if you don't see that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not. I mean, like, so I guess most of my conversation is not like a zero-sum black and white, right? So when I say, I man, government. When, when I say manufactured, I don't mean that the entire federal government and how the, the mistrust is all manufactured. Like I'm not, I'm not black and white that way, man. I, but there but there has been, no, I got it. I mean, like now how, why Donald, was, why was Trump Reagan, why was, why was Reagan elected, dude? Like how was Reagan elected? He was, he, he was elected on the platform of the, the, the dismantling of the federal government, that the big government was the enemy of the people, right? That's, that's 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 an agenda, right? That's right. So there were people that manufactured a massive distrust in the federal government, but that doesn't mean that the federal government hasn't fucked up colossally on a number of occasions. Of course they have. That's not black and white. That's what I'm saying. Of course they've had colossal, colossal failures. But is it black and white that we need to just ultimately completely distrust the federal government? Or is there a should we strike a sort of 
bipartisan tone here like we do we're talking about in the senate right like maybe there's some things that the federal government should do well right uh, they there's there's and a couple some things the federal government shouldn't do at all okay and, and of course you are absolutely right there are some things that the federal government absolutely should not do what would you but say I, those are but i certainly Nate. believe that there's what would you say that the federal government you what would you say that the federal government should not be involved in is there any limit to the scope of power they should have over our lives yeah i mean i think that's it's the way you propose it as in terms of what power i should give the federal government um well i mean well i mean how, I mean, how been, high should you the know, tax like, rate fuck be? me let's let's give them no power um, you love that word I mean, but it's that's the thing, man. It's like it's, it's very black and white. It's like, well, the entire federal you government is a, black and white, a, Nate? an absolute monstrosity. And we should. So what should we do, John? Should we do away with the entire federal government? So I'm you're saying what should the federal government not have their hands in? And because it's, it's, I have it, I have actually. Like, OK, OK. Like, so I don't. How many times have I said that on this podcast, Nate, that we should do away with the federal apparatus? Zero. So I'm asking you, is there any limit to the scope of power that the federal government should have? Yeah, they should abide by the confines of our current constitution in the Fourth Amendment for— Until, uh, uh, until we change it, right? So I believe that police officers police officer shouldn't have qualified immunity and that there should be— um, the civil forfeiture of assets should go away. I think the police state is—, is um, Okay. The it, police and civil rights in the police state are different issues. But okay. Uh, what, okay, well then, then my entire argument. I then I don't have an argument. I mean, but you. Okay, so. Mass, okay, so mass look, American I've said surveillance. Like, how does that? What do you mean that doesn't? That doesn't. That doesn't make muster. No, that's, that's, I have said <laughs> this before. Okay, civil rights abuses by cops. Yes, qualified immunity. I believe. I'm sorry. Civil you assets forfeiture. I mean, like what? How is this not? I agree. What I'm getting at is the civil forfeiture. Fourth Amendment. And, okay. Civil forfeiture and civil rights abuses by cops. Yes. Got that. Check. I've written it down. That's a different matter from the police state. Okay. And the well, Patriot the, Act. The, and the, the Smith Mon yes. Act. Nobody the, wants to talk about. The surveillance state goes along with the police state, right? The NSA. The, the, yeah, everything you just said. That's what I'm talking about. So you link about. that to civil rights abuses? How? What? They're two. I'm talking. They're two separate things, John. One, I'm talking about qualified mean? immunity and civil assets forfeiture, and I'm also talking about the surveillance state that we have. Okay. That was that was kind of what I was getting at, but whatever. I I, I just I. What are we? Look, what are you arguing about? We're 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 not. Was my point. We both agree that civil rights abuses by cops and civil forfeiture. Are unconstitutional against um, the right to uh, unreasonable search and seizure. Mm -hmm. um, like but for that's example, a very different matter like, for me like from smelling, the Patriot Act, like the Smith Run Act repeal. Yeah, okay, of course. They're they're but they're. Can we lump them under the same umbrella? Is that are we able to do that, or do we need to have two umbrellas? Because I then there would be two things that I think the federal government shouldn't have, uh, or government in general shouldn't have. I just. <sighs> Look, I think we both are in favor of civil rights 
my problem is, I guess our problem is, I am pro-police, I am anti-police state, and I think there's a very large difference there. Okay. A very big difference. But I also think we've got more priorities. I really do. And I mean, is there, I mean, for instance, how much should the tax rate be raised? Because it's going to happen. For our listeners, if you're an American citizen, please do not invest in an IRA. Invest in a Roth IRA because the tax rate is going to go up. My thing is, how much of what someone else has do you have a right to? That's my concern. Okay, so what we're, gonna, point so we're pivoting, we're pivoting away from... Limited. Okay. Go ahead. No, I said, so we're pivoting away from the police state to now taxation. You want to talk about the police state? No, 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 I don't. We're going to, I'm just saying, we're going to move away from the police state. We're going to talk about taxation. And we can talk about tiddlywinks. That's fine. But I I just want to. What I'm saying is you're trying to link the the abuses of some rule hungry, mean spirited cops to the police state. And that's, that's incorrect. Okay. okay, so we decided in 2001, after September 11th, with the Patriot Act, that it was okay to suspend the right to habeas corpus, right to jury of, uh, right to trial by jury of one's peers. We decided with the suspension of the Smith Munn Act, a bipartisan act, by the way, signed into law by what was his name, President Obama, that it was okay for the federal government to wield propaganda and its own interests on domestic soil. We decided to expand the, uh, the FISA Act of 1978 so that uh, grand juries could surveil American citizens without warrants. We decided that a long time ago. So th- this business of now all these cops that we don't like, that's the same thing. I- I- I'm sorry, that's, that's the police and the police state are two different issues. So I'm, I'm proposing we move on for the sake of dialogue because that's, that's not the same thing. Okay. Um, I mean, I get it. You don't like the cops. But... I, mean, I, I, I don't know what you're arguing with me about on this. Like, I totally agree with you. I, like, it sounds like we're caught up in semantics. But um, so, yeah, so, so the next... You know, talking about taxation, you said like, listen, you're absolutely right. The tax rate will probably go up under Biden, um, and uh, you know we had this 21% corporate tax rate. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen uh, with Biden with this, and and uh, certainly I think there's a lot of narrative going around uh, with his administration and those people, uh, you know, heavy hitters in the Senate discussing. Uh, wealth inequality, and we've had some conversation about $15 minimum wage, and a lot of conversation about, uh, you know, the, uh, adjusted for inflation, uh, um, increasing on a regular basis versus just doing it every couple of years, and the politics behind that. The $15 minimum wage. Uh, we've also, um, I mean, the, the, it definitely is true. I think there's a a large, uh, I mean, there's a high probability that. There, there would be a tax increase, but I think the, the a lot of the conversation, at least the federal level, um, is uh, 
discussing how the wealthy pays more of their quote-unquote fair share in taxes and, and we'll see where that sort of pans out what is their fair share that's what i was asking you earlier yeah so what is the fair share of... i'm asking you i asked you earlier yeah, that's, how much, yeah what, it's, what it's, is the cap that's, that's a good question i think there's there's probably a thousand and one ways to go about determining what their fair share is but i think from a thirty thousand foot view i think objectively the middle class has been picking up sort of per capita um, more of the bill than those in a the higher uh, a higher income bracket. So what and, and so, <clears throat> and so um, I mean, this I think the example points to uh, Warren Buffett, who had pointed out that his secretary pays more in taxes uh, related to uh, in context to income than he does. So I think that I don't I don't well, necessarily let me stop you there so, real quick. So, I want you know, to at the continue. end of the day, at the end of the day, I don't know exactly what that means for the wealthiest but i think from the 30,000 foot view it is that i think the balance does need to be um readjusted and i don't mean that means that middle class pays less but at least the middle class shouldn't be the portion of the populations that that's picking up the most per individual in taxation to federal programs i think that's i think that most people acknowledge i mean obviously warren buffett was acknowledging that in his quote in, to his secretary. So that's kind of where I stand from the 30,000 foot view. Now, in terms of like quantifiable solutions, uh, like flat tax and, oh, you know, we need to do this for capital gains and offshore expatriation of cap. No, I'm not here to, I, I, I think in this, we're already at like 50 minutes of this and to, 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 I don't really have the right uh, numbers for you, but I think at least what I've proposed hopefully it makes sense at least. I don't, I don't presume to have the right numbers, Nate, but I will say this. I've actually proposed solutions, though. I've proposed, hey, this is what we need to do with capital gains tax. This is what we need to do with expatriated tax revenue. Okay, that, that's kind of surprising to me that, that I'm the one coming up with that. But I will say this. I'm going I'm to quote my father here. Because actually, Warren Buffett has shot his mouth off a number of times about this. Well, let me tell you this, Oracle of Omaha. There's a form at the bottom of your federal income tax return that says, would you like to pay more? And I guess that it, it, it's a blank. I'm guessing not too many people want to do that. But tell you what, Mr. Buffett, you want to pay more, by all means, write the amount and add a check. You feel that strongly about it? But I'm guessing he doesn't do that. So I, I, I don't, look, I get it, he's a successful man, but I, I, I really find his, his input very disingenuous, okay? You feel that strongly about your secretary? Well, pay her taxes for her. How about that? I, I, I just, I, I, I'm not interested in this sort of, Pargy bargy, if you will. I, I, I'm more interested in what I've discussed before. Look, there is no getting around this. Taxes are going to have to go up because God knows everybody's entitled to everything in this country. So spending is not going to go down, not until there's a, a systemic societal collapse. So we've got to get real about discussing how we're going to go about that. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I, 
So I don't, what's I don't your want solutions? I'm sorry? What are your solutions? For instance. Pray tell. I mean, have we not discussed this? I've already said the capital gains tax is going to have to go up. I'm sorry. Um, we're going to have to repatriate tax revenue. Um, these corporations, I don't care if it's Apple, Microsoft, whoever they are, you will repatriate your tax revenue, or guess what? We'll uh, revoke your corporate charter and seize your assets. So that's a start. Um, what did you think about the I, proposal uh, from uh, Bernie Sanders about taxation of the corporation with CEO um, uh, compensation? Did you read about that one? It's always punishing the individual. Well, did you did you read about it though? Because basically, it was basically the the proposal was if a CEO is making uh, fifty, well, just this is sort of hypothetical, but they're making a hundred times the lowest paid worker, the tax corporate tax rate will go up by 05 percent. If that CEO is making three hundred times the lowest paid worker, it goes up. The corporate tax rate goes up by a full one percent. Um, I mean, I'm just curious on your thoughts, like the initial. Sort of... I, I don't think you'd have to worry about it. For instance, if you had a flat tax where you've got a 25% corporate rate, you've got a 15% personal rate. Now I'm just throwing out numbers here, but you've, you've got that flat rate and there's no deductions. Well, guess what, homeboy? You're paying that or you evade that, you're going to prison. It's that simple. So, you know, as my father would say, you can't take percents to the bank. So, I mean, yeah, I've got a problem with somebody like Mitt Romney or Donald Trump paying less in taxes percentage-wise than I pay. This is easily solvable. There's a solution here. This, this back and forth on, oh, well, you know, well, the CEO needs to, no. If they're going to make $16 million a year, well, 25%, that's $4 million. They're paying. There's no getting around that. Okay, but again, we're getting, we're getting aside from the fact that you think with a $4, million, uh, $4 trillion budget that we're going to make up the shortfall of over a trillion dollars by increasing taxes on the individual? I'm sorry for you if you believe that. Not you, just the general you. Well, so then what are your thoughts on that solution? Do we go into austerity? Like, what's the what? What's the, what would we do? Well, that's that's where my my father is not such a ignorant man as many people would believe from hearing those previous two accounts. Because as a young man, as a seventeen year old, when I proposed to him, I said, "Well, Dad, we just got to cut the federal budget." And this was in two thousand one when our for, our federal debt was mm, less than four trillion, I believe. Um, and he said, well, son, you got to remember when you talk about, um, significantly slicing the federal budget, you're talking about killing jobs. And so I thought, and I went, well, so my idea now is, as I proposed before, probably 25, 30, 35 episodes ago, 1% a year. That was my idea. You cut it by that. Also, you sell off federal land holdings, which are valued at 
four trillion plus. I mean, we gotta get real. We have to. I don't. I don't care if you're if you're uh, Vice President Harris. I don't care if you're Representative Ocasio Cortez. People are tired of hearing me beat this drum. Okay, I know they are. Forget the propaganda act for a second. We will not remain the world's gold standard, no pun intended, the world's reserve currency. Okay, that's not going to remain that way forever. The U.S. Treasury bond will not remain the investment of last resort forever. And I'm sorry for the folks out there that are that arrogant that we can continue. Oh, well, as long as you know, the interest rates are low. Well, okay, the interest rates are going to go up. Next gold standard will be? Huh? Who do you think the next gold standard will be? I would like it to be us. It could stay us. But, but based, on rate, your, based, based on the current rate, we're not going to be. So then, right. then who do you think takes our place? I want it to be us. I, it can be us. We could have a millennial reign. A thousand-year reign, we could have. And this is not a critique of, of President Biden, but this is bad. This idea that, I mean, come on, what what estimate for the the collapse of the Social Security Trust Fund? What what year do you want to use? Twenty twenty-eight or twenty thirty-two? So which then I, makes I, you so, feel so, better? So I have a question then. In terms of like partisanship or bipartisanship, um, obviously, uh, but, but hold on, obviously the debt um, is a major issue. So then how do we balance between taxation, like taxation for one party that, that, hey, this is how we solve part of our funding issue versus another party that's like, listen, the way we, you know, we just, we cut taxes to spur innovation um, and it doesn't like, so you know, cutting taxes, but still having the same spending. It seems like we cut taxes, but we just fail to slash programs that still need funding. And so the deficit runs up in that sense as well. That's, so it's that's like, so it's like what, what, what balance do we strike? Uh, it, it, like moving forward, especially in these weird times. So what, what balance do we strike? Even if you could start over, what balance do you think you strike between social welfare, the Constitution? Basically, start over what? You know, the Constitution. So the Constitution uh, ultimately mandates that the federal government looks out for the welfare of its people. And so that sometimes will probably require some spending. So how do, what balance do you see being struck that uh, helps uh, perpetuate society and hopefully have this thousand-year reign? I want to be very clear. In the short run, yes, we absolutely have the ability to continue financing the debt via treasury bonds. We are the currency of last resort, uh, the US, U.S. dollar. And I think we have no choice. I mean, we have a choice, but we have no reasonable choice for the effectual care of our people for the general welfare but to reinvest in our people, considering the shutdowns that have happened, we must reinvest in our people, bar none, period. I agree with that. However, with a capital comma, we must strike a balance 
okay, at some point, I want us to have a thousand year reign. People forget that, that, you know, England and France, they're a thousand years old. I want us to, to be there and beyond. I want this republic to last and, 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 and shine upon my parents, great, 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 great grandchildren long after I'm feeding maggots, okay? But at this rate, we're about to hit $30 trillion. We cannot sustain this. I, I, I guess it's physically possible, but from a, an economic perspective, I don't care what economists you talk to. Between 2028 and 2032, the Social Security Trust Fund will go bankrupt, and the interest payments, not the principal, the interest payments on our national debt will succeed $1 trillion per year, meaning just to maintain the status quo, we're going to have, a, have to sell enough bonds to pay a trillion dollars a year. Now, the Federal Reserve, yeah, they look, people misunderstand it. They hate it from all sides, but they've done, they've done God's work for our country, okay, especially the past few years. But for God's sake, for how long? I mean, and this is not, look, I criticize the financial situation under Trump. You know this. I've been railing about this for what, four years now? So this is not me saying, oh, now all of a sudden a Democrat's in office. No, 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 not me. You can say that about Ted Cruz. Go ahead. You can say it about whoever you want to say it about that all of a sudden is worried about the, the situation. Austerity is not the answer. This is not the time to, to say, no, we're not going to pay out food stamps. We're not going to provide food aid. No. Okay. But I mean, there, there's issues like it, it sounds real good. For instance, that President Biden has extended the moratorium on evictions. That sounds great. But two things, you got folks that are forgetting that, well, when that moratorium ends, you're going to owe a whole lot of back rent. And also, what, 65 to 75% of the landowners in this country, the, the, the Besors, if that's the term, um, they're middle to barely middle upper class. Well, so what's happening to their lost revenue when the bank calls in the loan? Sounds real great. We're going to have a continue the moratorium on evictions. What about the, the property holders? It's, it's not that simple, okay? I, I'm sure I sound like just an absolute jerk, but so how do you feel about the uh, the the current COVID relief bill? Um, do you feel like it, it didn't it didn't really satisfy the needs of those sort of middle lower middle class middle class landowners? Leasers, uh, landlords. Um, do you think this bill? Do you think this bill adequately helped them, or maybe it didn't, or was there a lack there for? Because I know you brought that specific demographic up multiple times, and uh, I know it, it constitutes a, a a large, a, a, at least a, a good chunk of the pie of of 
the demographic in the United States. Did did the administration miss Do the you? mark? What's Do that? you think it was requisite to requirement? What was? The bill. Um, what about the bill? I mean, 10% of it, or about 9.7% of the bill, went into the pockets of Americans. Like, everyday Americans. Yeah, like, like direct deposit. Yeah. Right. Do you think it... Well, I mean, I, I think back to a number of conversations that we've had and some of it that hasn't been aired. And it felt like, to be honest with you, <laughs> I was trying to approach this with more of a, um, I was trying to understand how this bill delivered for small business owners versus average Americans, because the last several conversations we've had, your biggest gripe has been sort of like the pizza shop or the Ford factory. Or the, I mean the Ford dealership, and I wonder because that's been your sort of your biggest pain point. It's as it seemed. How, how do you feel like that's been addressed? Because now it seems like you're more concerned about how much money got into the direct deposit accounts of average Americans. So how did, how did, how did it bode for like small business? Because that, you know that that seems to be, at least it seemed to be in the last several episodes, a, a major point of contention i mean now on the ford dealership point i would have to follow up on that in terms of folks that i know put it that way that work at at ford dealerships i i think in a in a major way it's one of the same in the bottom 98 percent and i hate to put it that way the bottom 98 but i mean that's the reality that's 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 where a lot of a lot of times I think that that it's an argument about political semantics when over four hundred of the people in, in Congress it's not I wouldn't say that they would say no I don't care about the I don't it's not that I don't care about y'all but it doesn't affect them okay it it doesn't impact them on a level where they see that. Oh, this really matters. Whereas I look at what's going on, I look at it as almost existential. I really do. And so I feel like there's all this opportunity to turn this around and take care of our people. Yes, the the data is going to expand in the short term. I believe that we can fix that. I do. I think a, a, a strong foreign policy and a and a very uh, aggressive forward pressing navy is going to be a part of that. That's a different conversation. But I do feel like we have the the capability to have said thousand year reign. Um, but it's kind of difficult to answer in a short period of time because I know you're you're very reticent to continue. I'm not reticent at all. I'm just. I no, think, you are because you're you're waiting for the pumpkin. No, I think I think you hit that hour mark and you're like. <gasps> no, but I think I think that what I appreciate is that we're having uh, we're having this type of conversation and it and I think I feel like uh, 
the last several months, I think specifically, have been fairly consequential for both you and I in specific things that the administration, the new administration, has done. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to get into. No, no, no. But I'm not going to get into the personal impact because it's 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 bigger than me. But so. but but nor am I, and and so because. Uh, and, but we both have different experiences, and I'm going to acknowledge those personal experiences as well. Um, and so I, I but, um, but we're not going to talk about it. I'm just from from me to you, uh, very inside that that I want to acknowledge those as well. That being said, I appreciate the conversation that we've had about the direction that the country needs to go, and this is what I feel like. Uh, personally, I felt like I've I've been. I've certainly been missing the last at least month with you. So I, I want to tell you that I, I, I appreciate you and I appreciate the conversation and I love you to death because this, and, and I think that needs to be heard because there's still a lot of like angst and sort of hatred uh, that's floating around this country right now. And not here, and not but, one cent, but not I, here, but, but not here. And I think, but I think I need a bullet for you or your family. Yeah. And I would be very clear. I want. I didn't vote for him. I voted for the Libertarian candidate, Miss uh, Joe Jorgensen. But I very much, for the sake of the American people, I want the the aims of the Bi the president, President Biden's administration. I want that to succeed. I do. I really do. And I don't have a problem with the federal federal apparatus. I, I, it, it saved a lot of people from starvation, as you and my brother-in-law talked about um, during the Great Depression. Okay, what was the federal government to do? Nothing. So it would have inherently been wrong for the federal government to get involved. Well, my own—I call myself a Nixon Republican. Well, President Nixon apparently disagreed with the idea of dumping toxic waste into rivers and lakes because via executive order, yes, that President Nixon, Republican, created the Environmental Protection Agency. And then both houses of Congress being controlled by the Democrats created an agency by the same name. So I have no problem with the idea that the federal government must be involved here. I'm I'm simply trying to split a hair here. And I, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm waffling. I, I, I simply am trying to, to thread a needle here and say, okay. But I, at what point I mean, when do we pass when we pass 30 trillion in our national debt, we just go, oh well, you know, we'll just keep refinancing. Okay. So I, I, I'm not trying to sound like some kind of Scrooge here. I really am not. I, I hope I don't come off that way. I, I'm begging us to find a way forward here. And unfortunately, it's going to mean, per my proposal, not that anybody's going to listen to me on this, but cut the budget by 1% a year. And yeah, in the interim, at least, taxes are going to have to go up. And if you don't like it, you don't want to repatriate your tax revenue. Well, 
the Department of the Treasury and the IRS, because last I checked, the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, operates in Afghanistan. So the Treasury and the IRS will seize your, revoke your corporate charter and seize your assets. So yes, we have solutions there. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that'd be a highly popular stance to take. Oh, they hate my guts. But I think, I think the majority of Americans would be behind that. They would cap me. What? Who the corporations? I would get shot. That... <laughs> uh, okay, so 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 I tell, I tell. Let's let's see. Um, Lockheed Martin and Apple. Tell you what. You can repatriate your tax revenue from overseas, or we'll revoke your corporate charter and seize your assets. They would cap my ass. Pardon my French. Well, what a way to go. Well, I mean, again, I'm not going to hold office, but I mean, look. Uh, whatever. Nixon's another topic. Well, look, uh, we've been talking for an hour and fifteen minutes, and I'm—I know—I'm glad. The pumpkin's to, coming. I'm glad to uh, have have had some good policy talk and some good future, uh, uh, like policy and and direction for administration, et cetera, and the the way that we would like to see the country move. Um, I want to do another shout out to our listeners that certainly if you've made it through an hour and 17 minutes, that's impressive. And we appreciate that. But I uh, want to do another shout out to our listeners who have continued to stick by us and have chosen us for at least a source of entertainment, opinion, news. I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, certainly we, we appreciate that in the number show. So, uh, and as always, my friend, it's an honor and a privilege to do this with you week in and week out. Even for the weeks that we uh, we don't do episodes, uh, we certainly still communicate and have conversation, um, and most of it goes unrecorded. Um, so I'm happy to get these moments recorded with you. So um, until next time. Au revoir. Au revoir.